HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This is Bernie Lubbers, the global brand ambassador for whiskeys for Heaven Hill Distillery out of Bartstown in Louisville, Kentucky. And you're listening to Heritage Radio Network. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us, heritageradionetwork.org. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Southern Teague. Dude, I've missed you so much. It's been a long three weeks. It has been. It has been. How the fuck are you, man? I'm, you know, I'm good. Busy as always. Uh, running around from bar to bar. Uh, we're about to open up a new one. Yeah. Honey Bee. Upstairs. Uh, Upstairs, where the old Sinfuegos was. Sinfuegos yeah. ran a, a you know nine-year run, and we decided to close it on New Year's Eve and, and do a full remodel. Um, we, we we installed a bar. It didn't have a bar before. It was just a service bar. You couldn't actually sit at the bar. Yeah. We've installed a bar. We're going to make it, uh, I don't know, kind of West Texas poker room honky-tonk. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of crushed velvet, <laughs> red and black and green. A lot, like, of, a lot of American whiskey and American beer. Are you beer. just designing this bar for, for me to come there and I'm just designing out, like... it in my mind right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for you. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm trying right. to lure you back to New York City. You've been away too long. I've been, yeah, I've been away. I've been away. Um, but it's been it's been good stuff. You know, I was just in D.C. yesterday, that, yeah. In the last few days for uh, Gin World, fun fun little thing. I uh, they there's a whole conference based on one spirit. That's outstanding. I didn't even know about that. You mentioned it uh, just well, now at lunch, but I didn't get to dig in. Yeah, well, Gin, the Gin World's Gin like World? a, it's a uh, they do it. It was it was based out of St. Louis, and they they've done it in multiple cities. But you know, Gin in D.C. You know, it's a uh, the Gin Ricky is like the, the of official course, the drink. official drink of DC. Yeah, so it's really fun to like catch up with a lot of people there and like check out some some of the newer spots. And uh, yeah, I love DC. Some of the best food in this country, I think, comes out of DC. Well, you know, you've got such a contingency of uh, of international folks. Everyone's living there. represented there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so you got a little absolutely. something like everything. What? Uh, uh, so Gin World is it mostly domestic gins or is Gin World? So it's it's Gin gins world, of the yeah. world. I mean, we're all citizens of the planet, so yeah, it's like we can say it's domestic. 
uh, but yeah. regard, sure. Wow. <clears throat> Already getting deep. Yeah. It's because <laughs> we haven't seen each other in a while. That's right. Um, yeah, man. So, like, the, uh, there, you know, there, there were some different tastings and seminars based on, like, different, like, you know, everything from, like, Geneva to London Dry to, you know, like, uh, kind of more contemporary American gins and it's really cool, man. You know, there's there's some, and also like, you know, there's a lot of there was a, a huge representation of like Scottish gins and and Japanese gins as well, which was really cool. That is and cool. And you were there, of course, representing Brooklyn, Brooklyn gin. gin. Yeah, yeah. So, vibes. Yeah, just keep the vibes alive, man. <laughs> <laughs> How's California? Talk about that some. I don't ever hear about that's, California. Oh, that's where great. you moved, but it seems like you don't really live there either now. I mostly live in an airplane. Um, so the thing is, I live in, in Marin County and uh, just like North Bay, San Francisco. And there's so much cool stuff happening in Marin. The thing is, like, it's all like pretty like destination-y, you know, like it's kind of like how L.A. was like back in the day where it's like, oh, shit, if I got to go to like West Hollywood or whatever, like to go check out this cool bar, it's like I got to drive there until like Uber and Lyft and like those kind of car services came around. But San Francisco is kind of the same way. Obviously, you still have the same like car service. They, they're all like all the tech companies like that started that stuff were based right, out of exactly. there. Right, exactly. But it's it's kind of cool because like uh, there are a lot of these like destination restaurants and bars that like you kind of have to work for it. You know, yeah. you have to get there, and once you're there, you're like, oh man, there's really cool stuff. There's a, a new bar that used to be this called uh, this uh, restaurant called. Uh, uh, the drawing board and it just flipped concepts actually not dissimilar to like seeing fuegos to sometimes you have to but uh the uh, the owners uh they open up this new spot called well it's it's still like before it was a restaurant with like a really strong bar program and now it's like more like bar that's supported by like some snacks like cool. some small places cool. stuff, yeah. which are very delicious but it's Anyway, it's uh, it's called Whisper Sisters, and it's like a really exciting spot that uh, that it's in Petaluma. That's just really cool. Now I live in San Rafael, so it's like it's about a twenty minute, twenty to thirty minute drive up north. So like you don't really get to like <laughs> like dive deep into it because right. like you've got to drive after. And I'm not promoting drinking and driving, by the way. I'm I'm actually saying some yeah, responsible shit. It's not right a now. good thing to do. Yeah, I, so, I mean, I feel super uh, empowered and lucky that I operate bars in New York City where no one drives ever. Yeah, and, like, and I don't have to think about it. Well, you usually, you drive they, here and you aren't driving home. I know that. Yeah, I mean, like, and in, in, we've all learned from your experience that uh, you know, like, when people drive, they often run over people on on their uh, bicycles. Exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> And you broke your humorous, which no, isn't as funny, as, as, funny it as it sounds. But anyway, yeah, so California's really great. And uh, yeah, just scouting locations out there to open up some more stuff. Outstanding. So, yeah, it's good. Well, can't wait to hear about All that. Right. Let's talk about the other people in the room. Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> do. Um, so in the room today, we've got, uh, in the studio with us today, we've got a couple people that are visiting down from Vermont. Uh, they run a place called the Archives Bar. We got uh, Allison Marlar and Sean McKenzie. Welcome to the studio, guys. Hi. Okay. Thanks a lot. So Didn't you you went to culinary school in Vermont. Yes and no. Uh, I went to culinary school in California. I taught oh, at culinary taught school there, yeah. in Vermont. Yeah, I taught at the New England Culinary Institute up in Montpelier. But you guys are living in uh, uh, where do you where do you Burlington, live? right? In Burlington, Burlington yeah. yeah. I love Burlington. which is the bigger city in Vermont. It's just the, it, well Montpelier, where I live, the smallest state capital. 
8,000 8, residents. I, I always joke, like, now I live in New York, like, there's 8,000 people on my block. Yeah. You know? Like, what a, what a dra- dramatic change that was for me. Uh, but you guys run the Archives Bar. Archives is um, a spot that's, uh, like, ar- arcade games, right? Oh, and, yeah. And craft beer. Yep. Two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> Talk about how that works. Uh, so uh, the the partners from the Archives, uh, they they went to a barcade probably when it first opened in, in Williamsburg. They love the concept. Yeah, Barcade's uh, a local bar of similar ilk, I guess. Yeah. No, they have uh, one in, uh, in, I think, Hoboken or Jersey City, too, right? They've got a few now. Yeah, yeah I know yeah. there's one on St. Mark's. There's one, the original one's in Williamsburg. And, and, and I think they have one in Vegas. Maybe. They should, if they don't. Yeah. Well, you Dubai. should, if they don't. <laughs> Dubai, let's, get, let's hit all the big spots. Yeah, I think they were they were largely inspired by by that uh, original concept. Um, they'd been planning to do it for a while. Uh, we opened just about three years ago now. Um, we we try to do a lot of craft beer. Vermont's got a, a phenomenal craft beer scene. Lots of choices. Uh, Burlington, though small, uh, has has a really really good vibrant bar scene. Um, we we do craft cocktails as well. Um, and 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 obviously the the arcade component is is a, a fundamental part of the concept as well. How do you keep somebody drinking if their hands are busy playing an arcade game? Well, <laughs> that's my question. Uh, <clears throat> it's good for pacing yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah you hang out for longer, trying well, to like, get that high score. Also, like I was gonna say, like trying you to know, get that high score. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the thing is, like we're you know we're always like boom 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 here in in New York City, yeah. and like when I was hanging out in Burlington with a friend of ours uh, who's been on the show before a couple times, Justin Lane Briggs. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he's from up there. Yeah, man. And, uh, so J-O-B. like we, uh, yeah. Things like the pace is a lot slower, mm-hmm. and we were hanging out for a lot longer. And you know, well, yeah, that, I mean, I, not, I guess you're also still capturing revenue, right? People are plunking in yeah. dollars and quarters and whatnot into the machines. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, the other thing I think that I don't know that it makes us necessarily unique, um, but that sets us apart from I think a lot of the other arcade bars is that we we we're acutely aware of the fact that we're primarily a bar first uh and and then an arcade so i don't want to say the arcade games are a distraction necessarily but i think the, the attraction is the bar it's an amenity and and it's it's a reason to stay exactly sure um what so uh i know that at, at like barcade and and two bit the two the two bars that are that do this that i know of here in new york city both focus mostly on like vintage stuff is that is that your vibe as well yeah, um, we've got a lot of stuff. Like I'm in there playing Tapper. You know that game? Yeah. yeah. The yeah. little beer guy sliding the yep. beer down Tapper's the bar. Tapper's the first one when you walk in the door, man. <laughs> it's awesome. right there. Yeah, I think it's actually the Tapper's first one. Tapper's definitely a crowd pleaser. We do have some newer games as well. We just got a new pinball machine fairly recently. Uh, that was a recreation of a Williams machine from 1993. It's called Attack from Mars. Uh, so we got the new recreation with the LEDs and stuff, and that one's definitely been a lot of fun since we brought that one in, too. So. We try and have a good balance, but it's definitely more on the classic focus. Yeah. You gotta have yeah. Galaga, Centipede, oh, yeah, you man. know, Pac-Man. Do you those have the cup the holders ones. on the sides of the pinball machines? We actually stuff? have the railings in between the machines, so yeah, the cup holders. They're with all of our different cocktail glassware and stuff. It's a, yeah, it's easier to have the railings. Just have a rail. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that you, the three you just listed that you listed as classics. Those are the three machines that were in my dad's bar when I was twelve years old. Are you wearing an Atari shirt right now? By the way, uh, close. Uh, this is my favorite shirt. Uh, oh, the Stephane Amari was the Amari yeah. shirt. Right. <laughs> Amazing, but it fits with the theme of the day. Yeah, yes, exactly. 
Most definitely. Uh, yeah, we had uh, uh, Centipede, uh, Galaga, Pac-Man, and what was actually my favorite was Space Invaders. Yeah. Which what was what was your first one? When my dad sold the bar, we kept Space Invaders. We had it in our house. Nice. What was the first video game you ever played, Southern? I'm gonna say it was probably uh, Pac-Man or Centipede. Yeah. I mean, like I was 12 years old when my dad had the bar. So well, back when you were a kid, there were only like two video games in existence. Yeah, the video was, video then. itself was brand new. <laughs> <laughs> video itself was a brand new thing. Playing a lot of Pong. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely played Pong. So maybe that's the first thing I played. Yeah. Uh, at, at, at my, my buddy uh, Craig Dutton's house, he had Pong in his house. You know, I remember on being TV. Like, you had that uh, twisty dial. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was weird because the dial twisted right and left, but the Pong moved vertically, so it was like hard right. to get your mind around it. You know, you hold it sideways. <clears throat> <laughs> like that was your grip. Freestyling it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this is a concept how, you've been open for three and a half years and, and you're also focusing on, so, so craft beer is the big part, right? But then the craft bar as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I would say in Vermont, um, beer is definitely king. Um, yeah, for sure. In in Burlington, though, cocktails are are definitely really taking off. I would say, uh, it's. I mean, it's a town of size, right? It's pr- relatively cosmopolitan. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's it's that's, a pretty small town. It feels a lot larger than it is. I think. Um, I remember when I lived in Montpelier, which is now twenty years ago, but like uh, Montpelier was eight thousand, Burlington was like almost forty thousand, so it was five times as big. And like that's yeah. where we'd go when we wanted to like cut loose because in Montpelier at the time there were literally two bars, yeah, and I wasn't allowed to go to them. I went to one for of reasons them. we I, won't discuss. I think I got a T-shirt <laughs> from one of those bars that you used to frequent, that yeah. dive bar. No, well, they were both dives. Believe that. that like, there was, like, <laughs> but there was like live music there, and uh, it was like like, well, kind of like a hoggy talky like. Yeah, I'm struggling right now to remember the name because I, I literally wasn't allowed to go to them. I couldn't go to either one. I found that out. But you. Within my first week of being there, uh, yeah, not I couldn't I, I, contractually. I couldn't. I, I was so the full disclosure here. It's not a big deal. It's that I was an instructor at the New England Culinary Institute. And I wasn't allowed to fraternize with students, and bet your ass that's where the students were. Yeah. Right? So I basically wasn't allowed to go to the two bars. Oh man. Yeah. And one was called like Henry's, so just named after a guy, and the other one that you're talking about had live music. I can't remember the name of. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to do some research. Anyway, um, yeah, but you know, to me, like. A lot of times, like like you were saying too, is like that. There's a huge brewing scene massive. In, in Vermont. Massive. There's also like a lot of cool little distilleries. Yeah, popping up everywhere. Oh yeah. We actually a funny story. So, so, do you, we, so we, we'll jump into your funny yeah, story, yeah. but I want to know: Do you focus on uh, uh, local beers? Uh, we do. And uh, do, so then, do you also focus on those local spirits? Uh, we do, we do we do carry quite a few local spirits. Um, we certainly try to support, uh, especially the ones that, that are distilling uh, all themselves. Uh, but there are some really good brands uh, as well that are that are local brands that are, are, are purchasing uh, at least some of their product. Um, but yeah, we, we certainly try to feature local spirits cool. uh, as much as we can. Uh, obviously, pricing of local spirits, sometimes uh, it makes it hard to give a menu placement uh, as much as we'd like to. Right. Um, but... But we, I would say we probably have a larger focus just because of the uh, amount of breweries that we have in, in Vermont. Um, we almost always have probably eight to ten, uh, maybe more local beers on draft. Yeah, how many drafts do you have? Uh, we have 24 lines. Let's talk about that kind of stuff. How big is the space? It's, it's got to be big, big to have all those machines. How yeah. many machines do you have? It's 35, give yeah. or take. 
between 35 and 40 now. We we rotate them out and such. Uh, we have a full-time technician, so when things go down, we take them off the floor and bring in different games and that kind of thing. So we've got, I believe, around 35 on the floor right now. And that then, sounds right. And then a good amount in storage that we're, what a, we're working on. <laughs> what a hidden cost that is. We have a full-time technician. Yeah, seriously. And storage for the games that aren't on the floor. <laughs> like, wow. That's a thing I wouldn't even, like, that's a whole new piece to think about. Yeah, I think, I think the games are effectively a wash. I mean, they, they pay for themselves. Um, but a, a new pinball machine is, is a pretty substantial purchase. Right, and I have like, to assume I, that you're not, and you're not even purchasing new ones. You're purchasing old ones, so they're probably even more. Yeah. Uh, Especially like if I they said, have any cachet, attack, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Attack from Mars, we purchase new, um, but we definitely buy a lot of refurbished machines. And then, you know, opening them up, you never know what it looks like inside, who's worked on it and that sort of thing. So right. and old ones it's always a can be new a lot adventure. more with, with the price of fixing them. Well, especially actual pinball machines, a lot of mechanical pieces that are moving around in there. Yeah, it's, oh, it's yeah. crazy when you open those things up. This okay. is so, like, to me, I'm, I'm, like, extremely fascinated by this because, you know, like, I don't know, you and I are both, like, like motorcycle dudes and, yeah, like, like tinkerers. We're, we're tinkerers, you know, and, like, so, like... Yeah, like, our technician was a mechanic, I, so... Yeah, similar, I was going to say, like, you, you have to be, like, basically a mechanic you know, to work on these things and, like, you have to understand, like, all the circuitry and everything. Like, the... the, the I, there was a... Uh, my, like, childhood best friend, they... Uh, he and his sister bought a... Uh, well... They didn't buy it. The parents bought it for him, but they bought this old, like, 1940s uh, Roy Rogers pinball machine, and, like, they were constantly working on it because it had to be worked on. It was, like, wooden. It was a wooden yeah. pinball machine. It was, like, it was like early, you know? These and it things was, require, yeah, you, like, you a lot of... You think about that in your house. We have them on a, a bar floor. You're getting hundreds of plays a night, know, so... right? Right, by people <laughs> who get, don't necessarily care about bit. it, right? <laughs> They're just like, what's this? Roy Rogers, bang, bang, you know, slamming into it. Yeah. Tilt. <clears throat> Tilt. Tilting it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tilt. Um, but, like, so, to me, like, that's, like, <laughs> like, to me, that's, like, a whole thing on its own. And then you allow people to come in and get drunk. <laughs> and touch it, right? <laughs> like, around and touch it. And like, I mean, I get nervous about everything that we have on the bars that, yeah. that people are going to touch. And I try and make sure that, okay, if I'm going to have it in reach of people, it's nearly indestructible. Yeah. Right? And that's not the case with these things. These are things that are relatively, you know, they need... You know, do you have signs on some of them? They're like, please use gently. This one's old. <laughs> yeah, they, they go down like, a lot. Like, you know, be kind to this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, we're lucky we have a good tech because they, they break all the time. Man. Yeah, so, he's always busy. <laughs> also, like, so, like, in, in this situation, because, like, uh, one of my favorite, like, local bars uh, in, in Brooklyn is called Bar Great Harry, and they, they have pinball machines in the back, and they, they often rotate them out, but they... They're one of the like stops on the tour of like, um, of like a like a like pinball leagues and sure. like, mm -hmm. like tournament like play. Do you do that kind of stuff at the bar? Uh, yeah, we don't have any. Night. Yeah, we don't have any <laughs> leagues set up at the bar currently. Uh, we do work closely with the pinball co-op. Um, they have a location not far from us uh, where I believe they're up to fifteen machines on the floor, um, and they do league nights and competitions. Uh, I actually have my silver trophy from the last league I competed in <laughs> behind the bar so <laughs> it's definitely fun people definitely get into the the game components for sure Alice do is like by far the best at pinball of anybody on the staff just on the staff we have plenty of guests that can totally <laughs> annihilate my scores like I have it. yet to be on a leaderboard <laughs> <laughs> you should have like a like a triathlon situation like at your bar where like like it's a cocktail competition and then like video game and then like beer bong 
and like right. <laughs> like something like that. Yeah. Like, make a cocktail, play a video game and get a high score, make another cocktail, play a pinball machine. Yeah. Like a little uh, relay. Yeah. Yeah, we've done a lot of tournament events where we have someone come in and do a, a sponsor will bring, you know, some products in on the bar. Um, a lot most of the time it's been been beer that we've mm-hmm. brought in, bring them on draft and have a competition and give out a bunch of swag for the person that gets the high score. They get bragging rights for the night. It's a lot of fun. That's a little, yeah. that's, it's like built in. Like it's, it's great. It's built in entertainment. I mean, not built in, but baked in, right? You still got to pay that maintenance guy and storage. That's, <laughs> that, those two, that's two costs alone are like floating around in my head. Like Jesus, man, that's potentially crippling. Because yeah, even to have a space like this means you got to have a lot of square footage. That's rent. Like all the yeah. numbers are, I'm crunching New York I, numbers, right? I can right? see your, your brain melting right now. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. That's because it's all this shit's on my mind right now with the, with the new bar. Yeah, it um, took them a long time to, to find the space to open up. We got really lucky. We're in uh, a location that used to be the Burlington Free Press, so... We got a decent amount of square footage. (laughs) Right on. Uh, Well, we should take a quick break, uh, hear from our sponsors. We'll come right back and keep talking to the team from Archives up in Burlington, Vermont. We wouldn't be bourbon as we know it today if it wasn't for whiskeys like Mellow Corn. It's, it's the only one. It's the T.I. Double Gutter of whiskey. It's the only bottle and bond straight corn whiskey in the world. So when Evan Williams and Elijah Craig and Basil Hayden and Jacob Beam were making whiskey in the 1700s, they weren't making bourbon. They were making unaged corn whiskey. So there's the genesis. You know, it didn't just go to bourbon from that. There was a missing link in between. So I call Mellow Corn the catfish that crawls out of the lake onto the ground and walks around on its fins because that's the whiskey that made it all happen because when it got down to New Orleans and people tasted this whiskey that had been these barrels on these Kentucky longboats, it had a different color to it and it had a different flavor to it and the sweetness from the corn instead of the rye heavy from the north, they were like, what is this? And they read the ends of those barrels and it said it was from Old Bourbon, Kentucky. And the contents, because the barrel's not clear, you have to put the contents of it on it, was whiskey. So what they started calling bourbon was this, was mellow corn. It was Kentucky straight corn whiskey not bourbon whiskey. And then when they started aging it in different types of barrels and using more new barrels and then the laws come in and that kind of stuff, then it became called bourbon. But mellow corn and corn whiskey is so historically important. We wouldn't be in this bourbon renaissance today if it wasn't for aged corn whiskey. At Heaven Hill Distillery, they're kind of the keepers of historic brands and labels. So this is the label from 1945 and it's truly American. It was bourbon before bourbon was bourbon. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. It's Todd Shulkin, the host of Inside Julia's Kitchen here on HRN. Inside Julia's Kitchen carries on Julia Child's legacy of introducing the brightest lights in the food world to a wider audience, just as Julia did from her home kitchen. Look for Inside Julia's Kitchen wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. We search And we're back. That was nice hearing from Bernie Lubbers, Bernie, friend of the show. Friend of the show, Heaven Hill, now a sponsor of Heritage Radio and our yeah. show specifically. That's pretty great. Yeah. We got to play some songs together about, uh, was about like a year and a half ago? A year ago? Something like about that. a year ago, yeah. Because yeah. he comes up here about twice a year. So he was up here again to do that recording with me while you weren't around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great guy. Uh, yeah. Very charismatic. And a great voice and face for radio. <laughs> Hey, Bernie. <laughs> Thanks, Bernie. Uh, he's the best. 
so let's keep talking about Burlington, Vermont. What's the what's the scene up there? What do you got going? Uh, it's. I mean, are you guys the cutting edge? Are you guys the, the, the Are you cracking the egg on the omelet that everybody's making? What, what's going on? I hope we're competitive. <laughs> um, it, it, there's a lot going on. It's a lot of beer. Um, there's. I mean, Alchemist is in Stowe. Hill Farmstead is in the Northeast Kingdom. Burlington, we got Foam, uh, Zero Gravity, Switchback, uh, Hermit Thrush. Queen City, Hermit Thrush. Of I was about to say, Brattle. speaking Brattle of beer, yeah. I noticed there's some here on the yeah. table. Are we going to drink that? Yeah. What's the deal? We should. So this is something. There are four of, of them and four of us. Uh, that's it's <laughs> interesting. Uh, I'm glad we can count. <laughs> Hermit Thrush, uh, they're in Brattleboro, Vermont. They specialize in sour beers. Um, oh, great. They make this one specifically for us. Uh, it's a sessionable Sour pale ale, um, dry hops, uh, pretty heavy, uh, but not a lot of bitterness. Uh, not not super sour. Got a good funk to it. Some good acidity. Uh, really really nice beer. Um, funny story about this. Uh, we were going to bring two things. Uh, the other one is uh, a rum from Mad River Distillers, uh, mm-hmm. finished yeah. in PX barrels. Uh, actually, I've had, I've had that. It, it, when I when I picked it up from Neil, who manages uh, the tasting room for them. Uh, he actually had mentioned that that you were in there not long yeah, ago yeah. when you were in town. Uh, we totally What's left up, that. We, t- <laughs> we totally left that bottle in Burlington with the beer we intended to bring, and a quick Google search told us that it was actually available in the city. So we were really happy to find you, this. You, you uh, had it for us and forgot it, and then just so, went and found it again. So the yeah. next time you're in, in Burlington, please come by, and we will buy you some Mad River Distillers PX rum. It really is a fantastic product. Um, so I'm I'm totally bummed that we spaced on that, but uh, that's a, we've, and we've that's got a beer. great tasting room too. It's, it's right there, it's like kind of at the, uh, the like southern end of like the downtown area of Burlington. It's it's a beautiful spot, and uh, they've got like some cool, it, it, like like bar tools and like bitters and stuff like that too to like go with it. Oh like, yeah, the shop is great. It's really cool. It's been a great really resource cool. to have. It's not. It's a quick walk for us from the bar. So anytime yeah. we're out of bitters or anything like that. Run over to Neil. <laughs> and we don't have to order cocktail things from New York anymore. I mean, you know, sometimes we do, but we can buy shakers, you know, a block yeah. and a half away, which is right. nice. Totally. And um, support your local shop at the same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, Burlington, that's that's sort of in the middle of it where, where that is. We're about two blocks away, block and a half, give or take. Um, there's Church Street, uh, which has a lot of bars. Uh, it's definitely the churches, where all I assume. Uh, just one. Yeah, I think, just the, the one top. at the top. Um, just the one. But uh, that's that's definitely it. Draws a lot of tourists. There are a lot of bars there. Um, it's it, it, it's a great place. Uh, and then on the off streets, we're on College Street. Um, You're a mess. Stuff. <laughs> I've got beer and cacio pepe all over me. <laughs> uh, but there's some good cocktail spots right down the road. There's a, a place called Deli 126. Definitely does like the speakeasy vibe. They they do a lot of cocktails. Uh, a couple of our former bartenders work over there. Uh, Eddie, who is actually a, a very big fan of your work. Uh, he's very jealous. We're yeah, here today. Yeah, he's, he's up, Eddie? super jealous. So how's it going, Eddie? Um, uh, but some really great places in Burlington right now. Um, some some awesome beer bars. Uh, some some really great cocktail spots. Uh, the food scene's really taken off as well. Some some fantastic restaurants in Burlington. Some uh, really good restaurants in Burlington. Yeah. Actually. Where'd you eat when you were up? Oh man, like so many places. Uh, I, I I'd have to go back through my archives. Uh, How long ago? Uh, were you? <laughs> well done. <laughs> Did you uh, check out Honey Road when you were in Burlington? Yeah, yeah that's yep. one of my new favorite spots for sure. It's, it's I was so there good. for like 
basically like a couple days in Montpelier for like a couple days and but it was just like a whirlwind you know but that's the thing is like to me like my favorite thing to do like the thing I spend the most money on in my life besides like guitars and motorcycles and hats is food and like dining out you know mm-hmm. and like uh, they, not only like was the food like when I was in in Burlington like fucking amazing but like the vibes up there are, like so chill and like everyone like there's like the hospitality level is like really high you know it's a lot of fun there was, what's the spot that's like the uh there's like the river with like the dam and then like the waterworks waterworks oh, yeah. yeah waterworks yeah, that place is so cool yeah man. awesome cocktail program really cool yeah yeah super cool spot yeah just everywhere i went i was yeah, like Winooski's this is super cool too it's winooski uh, waterworks is oh, yeah, winooski yeah. um it's probably 10 minutes from from downtown burlington and it's yeah it, it's it's I hate to make this comparison. People people do it all the You're time, but it's it. yeah, I'm gonna do it. It's it's kind of the Brooklyn to to like Burlington being the Manhattan. It's just it's off to the side. It seems a little younger and hipper and smaller. Everyone does that. Everybody yeah. does it. I know. I hate that I did it. We're a litmus. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. We're we're, we're touchstone. I think Winooski in total is about one square mile. So well, and Burlington, <laughs> Burlington's population is forty two thousand. So I, Manhattan's not really an apt comparison either. Yeah. Uh, that's still pretty awesome, though. So the vibe up there is chill. You know, when I lived in Montpelier, it was a very relaxed and slower attitude, like a, a you know, pace that's very, um, you know, very island. You know, like island time. Like, uh, I'll see you. Able it. to like focus. I'll see you in thirty minutes, and like if thirty means forty, forty-five, even an hour. Yeah. You know, great. And no one's upset. <laughs> no one's ever upset. Like, yeah, just, like, like I just think? I realize like kind of like. People cross country ski to work in the winter time. Yeah. <laughs> like it's some fucking crazy snowshoe to work. It's nuts. Um, I yeah, I realized from and just talking with with Justin about it, like he was my tour guide, you know, and like I was just like, this is. Oh wait, you know what? It's not that this place is necessarily more chill than like anywhere else. It's that we live in New York City. And, and we're the that's most just crazy. Yeah, we're the most opposite of chill. <laughs> so anywhere we go seems more chill yeah, than this. Exactly. But, but up there definitely even more so. Um so you've been here, you just you got in yesterday, you, you stayed last night to come to the show today, uh, but you said you went to a few bars. Um what is it you see when you look at bars here uh that maybe is missing up there, or what do you think maybe we're missing down here that you have up there? Has anything come to mind? Uh, you went to, I know you told me you went to Leanda and you went to Death & Co. Nine doors down from Memorial Margo, but you didn't come by. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to say I've been there. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, it's a great bar. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, <clears throat> no, so, like, do you notice? Like, you know, when I, when I travel, when Damon and I travel, we go to other places and we're like, oh, this place seems like it's like New York, I don't know, five years ago, or this place seems like, holy shit, they're doing things that we aren't even doing yet, you know? Like, do you have you seen anything like that in the in the short night you were well, here? Like also, like, certain limitations of, like... Uh, oh, yeah, of, man. Yeah, of, like, I was going to say, I'm definitely <laughs> jealous know, of just the availability of products yeah. in New York. We've definitely seen a lot more. Um, Leanda, specifically, you grabbed the, the Mezcal because you knew we were going to see mm-hmm. it in Vermont mm-hmm. when we got home. Right. <laughs> well, uh, also, like... Uh, uh, my friend Sarah, she owns a bar in, in New Hampshire, and she was like, we just got yellow sh- chartreuse like last year. And I was like, what in the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> right. Man? It's been around since That's, like the almost New Hampshire 60, is tougher than 60, Vermont for sure. 1680s. But I mean, like, I'm from Oklahoma, so like, I, you know, like being there like back in the day is like, I was like, why can't we get this? Like, I'm, I'm like, 
I got I got a cocktail book and I'm reading about these ingredients mm-hmm. that I'll never like see in the state. Right. Obviously, that was like over 15 I, years ago, but like and things have changed. But like, it, it's kind of crazy. Like you know, like when it, like when certain like well things that we think are so common. Yeah, that can't be gotten. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this too. Like, there's like a Bar Hill, uh, mm-hmm. it's based out of Vermont. Like, their distribution. There, I mean, obviously, they're like hometown heroes. You know, like being like one of the bigger, like independent, mm-hmm. like smaller, like big small distillery. You know, <laughs> um, and also just doing cool things like the the gin's just done with like honey and juniper that's it yeah right? it's a 100% yep. corn distillate one botanical and then it's just finished with honey yeah and it tastes and like pineapple too yeah it's delicious which is kind of crazy and then there's the tomcat that's uh, aged in the barrels barrel aged, yeah. yeah 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 and it's it's almost it's own thing like I kind of as a category I feel like it's a barrel aged gin but because of the the honey I, like it's it's it drinks kind of like in a lot of old tom gins but uh, it's very much its own thing. Like I, I, I view Tomcat as basically just Tomcat. Um, it's it's yeah. fantastic on its own. It makes a great cocktail as well. Just That's, make an old fashioned with it. Exactly. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it doesn't need a lot Those of are very other ingredients. Um, yeah. So so you you snapped up some mezcal because you, you knew you weren't going to get that back at home. Uh, yeah. I mean, we certainly uh, Vermont. It, it can be tough. Um, it, it's a control state. And Oof. there's only so much room in the warehouse in Montpelier. Mm. So there's, you know, pallets and pallets of flavored vodka uh, and a handful of mezcal products. Um, I haven't seen Arcano, um in Vermont, and it's one of my favorites. Right. Um, but uh, the state does make a, an effort. I, I constantly email a woman at the state and ask for things. I don't know if there are a lot of other people doing that, but she's always very kind and, and she responds very quickly. I mean, I often give advice to people who live in control states and I'm about to give you some unsolicited so you can either take it or leave it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> listen, uh, you should, you know, the high tide raises all boats and more voices that, that cry out for one thing get heard more than a bunch of voices crying out for different things. You should reach out to your other buddies and craft bars and say, hey, let's, whatever, 10 of us all sit down and make a list of the 10 things we wish we had. Uh, you know, and if there's a repeat, then one of you gets to keep it, but another one pick pick another one. So you got ten different things, and then you I don't know how roll some dice and pick which one is first, mm-hmm. and all ten of you ask for that until you get it. Yeah. And then you yeah. do number two, and all ten of you ask for that until you get it. Because if ten of you are asking for ten different things, you're a whisper. But if mm-hmm. ten of you are crying out for the thing at the same time, it's a it's a it's a scream, right? Well, and and so there also that's that's is, my advice to no, all you control state listeners, actually, fantastic and especially advice. Canada, um, all of it. <laughs> There's a bartender actually who used to run the bar at Waterworks. Uh, his name is Sam. He mm-hmm. used to be on the board that actually chooses the products they order. Uh, so having somebody who is in the craft scene who has an understanding on the, yeah, right on that board was really helpful. Um, I think he is has stepped away from that. He has a family and he's super busy and he's working all the We're time. All busy. Yeah. Um, so I actually don't know if anybody's replaced him on the board. I do believe it was someone from USBG. Oh, okay, so that's that's, well, that's good. good. That's good. That's at least uh, you know someone who's got an idea, a finger on the pulse in some yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I find that to be a real trouble with uh, with the control states. You know, I understand that they're running it like a business, and on paper that makes total sense. At the end of the year, the five percent of the things at the bottom of the list that didn't sell, cut them off. That makes sense as a business. What it doesn't make sense as is someone who's delivering to the public, and I have to assume, you know, I jokingly say all the time if. If if the if the if the state were to control food and they were to say we're not going to carry your favorite 
fucking brand of mayonnaise. People would be rioting in the street. Okay. Meanwhile, they say, we're not going to carry your particular brand of whiskey. They just shrug their shoulders and drink a different whiskey. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Make some noise. Got to have that QP. QP, man. Need that QP. <laughs> Need that Duke's mayonnaise. Bring it. No, and I will say, you know, for Vermont, our, our liquor board is pretty good about trying to work with us as we That's come good, in, and that's a progressive liquor board, you know, because I hear of other other ones that are like, eh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it was 5% maybe, of the bottom, just chop it off. Maybe a year ago now, we started talking to them because um, infusions have actually been illegal in Vermont since forever. So we had some discussions with the liquor board, I think, about a year ago and working on getting that turned over. So we're starting to be able to do infusions and, and that sort of thing. So they're starting they, to be able to do they them wanna, legally. Yeah, exactly. No, nobody was doing them before. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, but they're they're good. They want Vermont to to really come into the fold and and be able to stay relevant and, yeah. and continue to progress. And so it's all about interpretation of the law as well. You know, it's letter of the law versus spirit of the law, right? And right. because technically, I don't know if Damon knows this, but in New York State, you can't take anything from a bottle, put it in a secondary vessel, mm-hmm. and finally put it into the drinking vessel. Meaning, you can't make cocktails. Well, it means that, like, technically, you can't all pour the cocktail it into a yari and stir it, and then put it in a glass. <laughs> exactly, and that means that also like bitters that go into like yep. the dasher bottles from like cocktail mm-hmm. kingdoms, stuff yep. like that. Like, it's technically illegal. Yep, batching cocktails is yep. illegal. It's well, all. You, you remember but we had the court case about with the keg that, cocktails at Amore. That that's how we got yeah, this exactly looked at, and they didn't change the law. They just decided not to care. Right or not, not to care, but to be be more spirit of the law than letter of the law. Well, then there was also the, the decriminalizing it. Basically, it was it was the uh, it was thrown out because it was brownie in motion. Correct? No, we tried that and they laughed us out of court. <laughs> <laughs> we said the first they, the first thing they said was it has to be in motion. So we're doing keg cocktails. We've been doing mm-hmm. them since we opened eight if it's years carbonated, ago. Then eight it's carbonated. Eight years fully ago. Eight years ago this month. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. And we um, when we went to court, they said you know the only thing you can do a, a large scale batch like that in is the margarita machine because they did a whole legal thing back in the 80s to get that thing legalized so people could have, you know, and it said... Was it, the, it was the SLA or the DOH? That SLA, was, yeah. It was SLA. And basically, the state, state liquor authority. authority. Basically, what they said was it has to be in motion like that thing. It was like a washing machine spinning around. And I, at first, I was like, well, it's in a keg. It's under brownie in motion because it's carbonated, so it's, it's always kind of moving. Mm-hmm. And the judge yeah. was like, yeah, nice try. <laughs> <laughs> so no, then we had to go get the magnetic stirrer. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Large-scale magnetic stirrer sits underneath the keg. You put the giant, like, Silicon wrapped metal Let, pill in there, and the stirrer spins the yeah. pill. Let's, let's talk about something else. We that's prove that, also could, we prove right that could be done, and then we stop doing it. Fucking uh, <laughs> CBD and cocktails. Mm-hmm. So, Ooh, like, especially let's get Evan Freeman back because, on. Because, like, because, like, I know that, like, when I'm in Vermont, the couple of times I've been there, I've smoked a lot of weed and like been forced <laughs> to listen to fish. Uh, <laughs> 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 but so, like, the, the, the New York just shut it down. Yeah. Recently, like mm-hmm. the, over the last like week or two, right? Um, yeah, uh, two weeks ago, I think. Unless you're labeled, right? Unless you're a product that's labeled, you can't. I, so basically, I can't get CBD oil and then add it to a cocktail. Right. If I had a bottled cocktail that was labeled for shelf sale and it has CBD in it, that's okay. But the but as a as a restaurant or a bar, I can't add CBD as an ingredient. I can't. Do you think it's not, is, it can't be my salt. Do you think this is a temporary thing? I think it'll probably come around, you know, as 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 states continue to fall and, and allow, uh, you know, marijuana and, and and THC to be legal. I think it'll it'll obviously come around, but it, it might take a while. Because I know that at my bar, like I'm always like, make it a Royale for two bucks yeah. extra or whatever. Make it CBD like, for two bucks some, extra. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, so I know that there was that bakery that got shut down, or they didn't get shut down. They uh, they had their product pulled. Right. 
because it had CBD. Well, here's what I think it. the real contention is, uh, is that when it's a product that's been, you know, weighed, measured, and, and labeled and everything that's got a barcode and all that stuff on there, it's a, it's a known dose, right? But when it's just some guy in the kitchen or some guy behind the bar putting some in your drink, we don't know the dosage. Right, so yeah. it could be low and like just have a pleasant time, or it could, or be, it could super be high. high. <laughs> you getting high, too high. You don't be that high, right? So I think that's the real issue uh, right now. And, and as soon as we get to a place where we're, where that it's can be like more more like scheduled, like, well, that can be more figured out. You know, even that CBD yeah. oil. Like when I'm making you a drink, we don't know the ABV at the end, but we can have a good idea because we know the ABV of everything that went in. So yeah. if we know how much CBD is in that oil, then we know the dosage. So I think that'll that'll be the trail that'll have to go down. Right. We should get <clears throat> expert Evan Freeman on to talk about it because that's the field he's in now. Yeah, yeah exactly. CBD is big in Vermont. It is. We we actually have a cocktail with CBD, um, and we we buy um, very small bottles mm-hmm. that have a thousand milligrams per. Yeah. Um, we actually haven't done counted exactly how many drops come out of it because they're very expensive. Uh, but the the person who sells it to us has said it's effectively ten milligrams per drop. Sure, uh, it's really really highly concentrated. Um, so so we do drop. two drops in a cocktail. We, we put it in one cocktail. Um, it's it's available in coffee. It's it's huge in pastries. Um, a lot of shops opening up that are just focused on CBD. But yeah. it's 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 a an ingredient that is tough to work with, honestly, sometimes. Um, but people really, really like it. I, I think there are a lot of positive effects of it. I, I think it works pretty well in the context of the cocktail we use it. Well, just like alcohol, th- that there is an effect. People are looking to get, mm-hmm. you know, altered. And in whatever yeah. way that is. It's, it's probably not researched enough either, but the only studies that I've read that actually study the effects of, of CBD uh, with alcohol uh, says or say that it, it doesn't really seem to interact the way that, that THC does with alcohol. Right. Uh, it doesn't intensify the effects of the other. So it seems it seems like from, from the research we've done that it, that it, it's safe and, and can be used effectively. Research. Uh, well, that's the difficulty. <laughs> is, is there aren't a lot of published studies on it. Right, and that's what I think. I think yeah. as, we, as we get further down the road and more of that, that actual research happens, we'll, it'll loosen up again. Um, but I think it was like it suddenly realized that whoa we're heading down into the wild west mm-hmm. here we need to back off a bit and we always I mean we always try to be aware I think I think there are a lot of a lot of cocktail programs that kind of use the trendy ingredient of the day that yep. without without researching them yep uh, and and activated charcoal uh, Man. yeah I was I, just gonna say <laughs> well so Man. one of our bartenders Abby did a did a an event called Dark Ives uh, it was kind of a punk night it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. and and we were playing around with ideas for a black cocktail. Uh, and and the one we ended up with wasn't entirely black, which was, I mean, it was a, a cool, ominous, dark color. Uh, but we, we just didn't want to use activated charcoal because squid ink, I, baby. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> squid ink is not available in Vermont. I couldn't find it anywhere. We're gonna get some on Amazon because <laughs> that was actually the thought. Um, let's talk just real briefly about the beer we're drinking. You said this is made just for you. It's delicious. Yeah, yeah. it's it's fantastic. Hermit Thrush makes excellent beers. Um, this one is a kettle soured pale ale, uh, moderately sour. Um, it, it's available always at Archives on Draft, and now they're canning it. And it's available in Brooklyn now. Yeah, which is super exciting. Available yeah, the, in Brooklyn. Uh... This is a very interesting beer to me. Like, I, I'm not like a, I'm not like huge into pale ale, and I'm not huge into sours, but this one's like really well balanced and like kind of crushable, and it's a good thing mm-hmm. that it's crushable because it's in a giant can. <laughs> 
What do you think about like the canned beers? I like it in the can. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you? But what do you think about here? Label out. Label out. Doing like the a photo shoot right now. Well done. Look I just, that logo. I just um, I it's actually our logo on the yep. bottom here as well. I'm like psyched about. Oh no way! I'm yeah. super psyched about. And canned it's got beers. a little story of our of our bar on the side li- of the label. Cool. Yeah, we were very excited. The canning just started this year. Yeah, so. there's there's something about drinking beer from a can. It's well, there's, you get there's, to there's use a, a koozie in that. Yes, yeah, that's always nice. And you can crush it on your <laughs> forehead. That's right. You Actually, have to like there was a, I asked Sam Ross from uh, what well, was before Attaboy, but like Milk and Honey days. I was like, I was like, man, you guys do all these like cocktails in like this like super like intense old school way, like, but then you use canned. Like soda water and and tonic and stuff. I was like, "What's the, what's that all about, man?" And he's like, "You can stack them; they don't shatter, and then you can crush them on your forehead." <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, cool, man. But also, like, obviously, like sunlight doesn't get into them, so it doesn't sure. affect mm-hmm. the like oxidation of the beer and stuff like that. So, like, I don't know. Also, I think that you can do a lot more coming from a graphic design background. I, th- I think that like creating the labels and like packaging for cans is like way more fun than like doing it for like like the smaller label that goes on a glass bottle. Mm-hmm. It's like right, yeah. Um, and you can crush it on your forehead. And you can crush it on your forehead. That's most important. That's gonna be the name of this episode. And you can crush it on your forehead. <laughs> um, well, guys, thanks for being with us in the studio today, all the way down from Burlington's Archives Bar. Uh, Allison, Let's go up there. Let's uh, visit. We're, uh, we're go. Please, please yeah, do. Yeah, definitely stop in. Let's go uh, when Absolutely. it's warmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not going right now. Vermont in the summer. Is Allison Marlar, Sean McKenzie, thanks for coming on down, um, uh, and thanks for you know like keeping a scene alive up there uh, and 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 making it prosper. You know, uh, I think it's uh, you guys got a, a harder road to hoe than we do down here. We got a target rich environment. I think up there you got a you got a scrap and claw for everybody. You can get to come in and play some video games and drink some craft beer and have a craft cocktail as well. That's that's good. Those are good. Those are good steps, right? Absolutely. Get them when they're young. They'll play the games. <laughs> yeah. They'll drink a beer, then move them up to a cocktail and send them down to New York. <laughs> um, but uh, I really want to thank you guys for being with us today. It was uh, great fun talking to you. And, yeah, and thanks for having us. Thanks for being yeah, thanks. avid listeners of the Speakeasy. Um, before thank we you. wrap up this episode, I want to mention, uh, I don't know if you saw it, Damon, but I posted it out on all my media. Um, you know, Chris Reed over at uh, Bargo. You're the Go. only person I follow on social media, well, so yes. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Chris Reed, great friend of ours at Bargoto. Uh, I'm very vocal about the fact that it's my favorite bar in New York City. Um, it's our go-to. A go-to, go-to, go-to. That's right. Um, Chris was diagnosed with ALS back yeah. in May, um, uh, and so it's been about a year. Uh, and they uh, they told him that probably by May of this year he won't be able to work behind the bar anymore. So uh, we started a GoFundMe page for him. Uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, you can look for support Christopher Reed and his fight against ALS. Uh, we're shooting for $250,000. We've already got uh, $40,000 in the past seven days. Um, just to cover some related costs uh, that, that he's incurring, uh, it turns out that uh, the traditional medicines aren't helpful for him, uh, and the medicines that are helpful for him aren't covered by insurance. So he's kind of doubling out of pocket, and he's about to honestly be robbed of his ability to do his job yeah. uh, by this disease that will eventually rob him of his life as well. And what a great and charismatic character he is and, and a, 
uh, and just a really well-known, uh, re respected bartender in our community. So if you have uh, even a dollar, head on over to that GoFundMe page and uh, uh, hit up Chris, Chris's account and put some money in there and, and wish him well. Uh, he'll appreciate it. I'll appreciate it as well. I'll repost it again on Speakeasy Podcast uh, um, Twitter as well as uh, uh, Instagram. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. so, uh, you know. Great dude. He's a great guy, and he's going at it with such a cheerful attitude. Uh, yeah. Nothing's uh, seeming to bother him uh, as he continues to lose, you know, motor function. And, frankly, the ability to talk is one of the first things that goes. And it's, yeah. it's hard to be a bartender if you can't speak. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, Kent uh, has often said that Chris, is, uh, uh, Chris Reed's weapon is his voice. And so he's being robbed of his weapon. Yeah. Uh, all right, so that's it for this uh, this week's speakeasy, guys. I do want to say something. Oh yeah, get in there. More positive. Note. Oh yeah, sure. Let's finish <laughs> on a more positive note. Um, I if, if if anyone's out in Las Vegas uh, on the weekend of the fifteenth and sixteenth, I'll be guest bartending at on the record in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand, and uh, Questlove or one of his in my conspiracy theory about Questlove. One of his many clones. Yeah, because he's everywhere. He's, how, he, there's no way they can actually be like everywhere. I'll, it's, it's insane. But uh, he's triplets, is what I'm he also is. like really excited about the, uh, the. He'll be DJing with me on the 16th, and then on the 15th, uh, I'm really excited about this. Being the Oki that plays in a country band, it's kind of funny to say this, but like DJ Newmark, <laughs> is like one of my favorite DJs from Jurassic Five. He's going to be DJing with me on the 15th. So. Come out to Las Vegas and uh, come to the MGM Grand, and uh, we'll have some cocktails together. And a grand time. A grand time. All right. Well, that's it for this week's Speakeasy. MGM Thank you so grand much, Army. guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks for being with us. All right. Cheers, y'all. Cheers. Cheers. That country music's going to save your soul. The in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's going to get you Want more of the Speakeasy? Follow us and ask questions on Instagram at Speakeasy Podcast or on Twitter at Speakeasy Radio. You can find Damon at Damon Bolte and you can find me at Creative Drunk on all platforms. Take a moment to write us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform and give us a star rating, five if possible. If you're visiting New York City or a resident, stop by the studio and hang out with us during an episode. Reach out beforehand to make sure we'll be here. We'd love to see you. And please support our show by visiting heritageradionetwork.org and clicking on the beating heart to donate. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the AHRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.